Good morning, and uh, the sun's holding up out there, which is sweet, but apparently we're in for a sweet little storm today. I don't know about you guys, but I love storms. Uh, I love it just to see God's power and his strength out there. So recently I was talking with one of my uh, best friends, and we were talking about a time when he had to get to a wedding, and he had left a little bit late from his home. And so to get to this wedding, which is about five hours away, he knew that he would have to go pretty fast on the roads. Uh, And at that time, that was quite all right with him because he liked to go pretty fast. So he got in his car and he started driving, and he made it to the wedding half an hour early, uh, which when you looked at the distance that he had to cover and the technical speed limit that it should have he should have been going to get there, it shouldn't have really added up for him to even get there on time, let alone half an hour early. Uh, so he got there, and he realized what he had done and how fast he'd been going. And uh, at the time, he thought, oh, that's amazing. And he bragged about it to everyone at the wedding because he was so excited. But he got home, and he felt very convicted by God of what he'd done and, uh, and that he needed to be following the speed limit more carefully and following God's laws. So he actually made a covenant with God that he would follow God's law and follow the law of the roads, and he would follow it exactly. Not five over, not ten over, but he would go exactly the speed limit. Well, wouldn't you know it that a couple weeks later he had to go back down south again. He lives in Sudbury. So he had to come back down south again. So as he's driving down south, He's going exactly 100 kilometers an hour on the highway. And he said, you would not believe the number of people who honked their horn or gave him dirty looks as they passed him. And he was in the slow lane. So he was just like, man, that is awful. Why are they so upset with me? And then he realized that he had been that person just a couple weeks earlier. And what a challenge it was um, in our society that just, you know, on the, on the roads especially doesn't follow the law. But really, in general, in society, we struggle to follow the law. Uh, Be that because we decide that um, the law isn't right, because we go, why is the 115 only 90 or 100 kilometers an hour when it should really be much higher than that, because the roads are open and clear for most of the year? Or be it that you think that uh, your car is faster and it deserves to be let wide open on the highway and just go as fast as you want, or that it's a waste of your time to be sitting in that car for an extra half an hour when you could be there faster. But all of these reasons we try and justify, and uh, we just listen to our own thoughts and our own ideas, and, and we ignore the law, or we bend the law a little bit. Sometimes we make stop signs stoptionals, so you decide if you're out in the country, you know, <laughs> it's a stoptional. Well, we don't just do that with the laws of our society. We do that with God's laws as well, uh, but we're not the only ones. And there's a history of that through the Bible. So today, um, if you could turn with me to Psalm 119, we'll take a look at somebody who loved God's laws. So Psalm 119 is 176 verses, so don't worry, we're not going to read all of them. Uh, We'll just do an overview. For anyone here who's a guy, you'll love TSN because they take a two-hour-long game and they condense a two-hour-long game into maybe five minutes of highlights or 10 minutes of highlights, depending on how good the game was. That's awesome. For the ladies here, you'll also appreciate that you don't have to sit through that entire game and you can just watch the highlights or your husband or boyfriend or whatever is only taken up for those 10 minutes instead of two hours. Well, we'll do the highlights today of Psalm 119. But first of all, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this beautiful day. Thank you so much for this opportunity to dig into your word. 
Uh, Father, I pray that you would reveal to us your truth and your word and speak into each of our lives and encourage and challenge us today and give us something that we can take with us into the rest of the week. Pray this all in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So, if you'd turn with me to Psalm 119, we'll kick it off. So we'll go through and we'll hit some of the highlights in here. Uh, Psalm 119, first of all, a couple facts about it. So 176 verses, it's the longest psalm and also the longest chapter in the entire Bible. Um, It is debatably written by David. Uh, Most scholars believe that it was written by David because of the literary style and because it parallels well the events of his life and the challenges that he faced and the good times that he had as well. Uh, And so... If it was David, you can see some of the parallels as we read through, but for now we'll just say the author. So the author wrote this psalm, and they wrote it, as some of you might have in your Bibles, there's letters above each of the sections of verses. Those are the letters of the Hebrew alphabet in order. And the reason that this was done was because at the time, a lot of people couldn't afford to have their own Bible, because Bibles were were handwritten, hand-like, copied from one to the next, so it wasn't as though you could just go down to chapters and pick up a Bible or go to your grandmother's place and find one of the 150 old Bibles that she has hidden away on her shelf covered in dust, but instead you maybe got to go and read the Bible when you were at uh, the temple, Um, but often it was that you just had to memorize the Bible to have it with you all the time. So people would memorize portions of scripture. And um, the young Jewish boys would have to memorize the Torah, so the first five books of the Bible. But here's a psalm that people could memorize. Uh, And it was helpful because uh, each of these letters of the Hebrew alphabet that it begins with, that entire section of verses underneath it, each of those words, uh, each of those verses, sorry, would have begun with that letter. So that would have been helpful for people to memorize it. Um, But still, 176 verses is pretty darn impressive to memorize. So again, another tool that's probably used intentionally here for memorization is the fact that almost all of these verses seem very, very similar. And when you're first reading through it, as I uh, did again for the first time this week, um, it's again and again, you're, you're reading through it and you go, man, this is kind of repetitive. And you think you're reading the same thing 176 times until you stop and actually look closer and realize that What's really impressive is that the author could write 176 verses about God's word, his law, and his statutes, which just three things, but basically the same thing. And he could write 176 verses about that, but never once repeat himself. I challenge any of you to do the same. That would be pretty impressive to pick one topic and write 176 verses on it and not repeat yourself. So... Yeah, I was reading through it, and at first it seemed repetitive, but as I continued, I found that it was actually pretty beautiful. So let's let's start out here in the beginning uh, with verse 1. So the author um, seemingly throughout this goes through their life, uh, 176 verses written over the course of their life. Uh, You can tell a different maturity in the author's writing from the beginning to the end. So in the beginning, it seems like a beginning, a start out. He says, Blessed are those who are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all of their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous law. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. So kicking off at the beginning, it sounds like a young man who's been told what he's supposed to believe by his parents, by his teachers. And he's like, he knows that God's word is good, but he doesn't yet really have experience with that. 
So then he asks here in verse 9, in the second section, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart. I will not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With, your lips, I re- with my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in all your decrees. I will not neglect your word. He's preparing himself, it sounds, for a life lived following God's laws, which, from what he knows, like from what he's saying here, from what he knows, sounds like God has a good plan for him. That's what's being shared with him, it seems, is God has a good plan for him, and God has... uh, his laws will, will lead this young man to a good life lived with God. But as in all of our lives, uh, as we grow older, as we experience life, challenges arise. So we hit verse 25 here, and it seems as though challenges have arisen in this man's life, or this, this author's life. I am laid low in the dust, he says. Preserve my life according to your word. I recounted my ways, and you answered me. Teach me your decrees. Let me understand the t- teaching of your precepts. Then I will meditate on your wonders. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me through your law. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes, O Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. He's choosing to follow God and follow God's ways, but challenges are coming up. And he's calling out to God and saying, I want to trust you here. Prove that I can trust you. Prove that your ways are good, that you're, you're with me here. Prove that you will strengthen me according to your word. And that those who rise against me will not prevail against me. But then... Things turn around again, and, and now he's speaking in times, it seems, of plenty here, and having faithfulness in times of plenty. Uh, many times in biblical history, uh, when the Jews or the people who are being written about would uh, experience times of plenty or times of goodness with God after times of challenge, they would just walk away, and they would just do their own thing. And so here, though, the author is staying true to God when God is being faithful to them. So it says, Verse 33 here. Teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees, then I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding, and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes, and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servant, so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. How I long for your precepts. Preserve my life in your righteousness. He says, turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Things come up in our lives that we try and cling to, that we try and turn to. And you could tell that the author here was challenged as well, where either riches or uh, other pleasures in life had come up and were, were present and were available, and yet he was, he was seeking God and seeking to stay true to God and not to be drawn away by those things. God's word here, he's, the author is, is continually hitting that in all the seasons that he's going through, God's word has something for us. So here again, he's continuing in the good times. So, uh, verse 41 here. Praise when the good times are good here. So may your unfailing love come to me, O Lord. 
your salvation according to your promises. Then I will answer the one who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Do not snatch your word of truth from my mouth, for I have put my hope in your laws. I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I will speak of your statutes before kings and will not be put to shame, for I delight in your commands because I love them. Lift up my hands to your commands, which I love, and I will meditate on your decrees. Have you ever been questioned by your non-Christian friends or family about your faith? Uh, I know I have, and it's very challenging when they ask you a question that you seemingly don't have the answer to. Um, but the author's saying here that he, he trusts in God, and God has the answers, and God's word has the answers for him. He says, then, I will answer the one who taunts me, for I trust in your word. I will speak over your statutes before kings and will not be put to shame. That's pretty impressive that he could stand before kings and have the answers and not be put to shame. So that gives me uh, hope every time I read that, that when I'm questioned or challenged by my non-Christian friends or family, that there's answers in God's word that I can give them. And I don't need to be afraid or ashamed of not having answers because they're here. It flips again to another hard season, a hard time. But again, the author says that God is still true and God is still leading and he has faith in that. Verse 49, remember your, wor- the word of your ser- uh, remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. My comfort in my suffering is this, your promise preserves my life. The arrogant mock me without restraint, but I do not return from your law. I remember your ancient laws, O Lord, and I find comfort in them. Indignation grips me because of the wicked who have forsaken your law. Your decrees are the theme of my song wherever I lodge. In the night I remember your name, O Lord, and I will keep your law. This has been my practice. I obey your precepts. When things are challenging, when things are hard, this author is turning to God, seeking after him. When things are good, the author is seeking after him. Imagine memorizing this as a young, a young person and, and reading this and keeping it in your heart so that when hard times arose, when good times arose, uh, whenever you were wondering what was next in your life, you could always keep turning back to this. This would be incredible stuff to have stored in your mind, stored in your heart. I know that there's plenty of verses in the Bible that I have stored in my mind and stored in my heart that God brings up regularly, that if you sat down right now and asked me to write out every verse I know in the Bible, I probably couldn't write out all of them that I know because they wouldn't all come to mind. But God brings to mind a lot of verses many times right when I need them because they're stored away in my heart and in my mind because I've read them before. Here again, the author's speaking of how much that God is a good God to them. Just some highlight verses here. 66, teach me knowledge and good judgment, for I believe in your commands. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver or gold. That's pretty amazing. There's, there's plenty of analogies in the Bible of God and his, his law and his love being worth more than any of the riches that one could amount to. And if, the, if this author was King David, then he certainly had all of the money and all of the riches that he could have wanted. And yet, pointing towards God's word, his law, being more precious to him than all of that, is pretty incredible. So we drop down to another challenging time, which the author had many of in their life, as you can tell through here. And David he had many of challenging moments in his life as well, from the beginning to the end of his life. It says in verse 81, 
My soul faints for longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. My eyes fail looking for your promise. I say, when will you comfort me? Though I am like a wineskin in the smoke, I do not forget your decrees. How long must your servant wait? When will you punish my persecutors? The arrogant dig pitfalls for me, contrary to your law. All your commands are trustworthy. Help me, for men persecute me without cause. They almost wipe me from the earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. Preserve my life according to your love, and I will obey the statutes of your mouth. These are harder times than I've ever faced, according to this guy's words. And yet, this author maintains that they stick with God. He says, they almost wiped me from the earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. What a challenge when hard times come up in our lives, that we can stick true to God's word, that we can hold it until the end, because as it, uh, as it says further on, multiple times it says that God's word is eternal, and his laws are eternal. And it's not just something that was temporary for us, but it's eternal that we can hold on to here. And here is just the key section of this, this psalm. Verse 89. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth, and it endures. Your laws endure to this day, for all things serve you. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. Save me, for I am yours. I have sought out your precepts. The wicked are waiting to destroy me, but I will ponder your statutes. To all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. It's a pretty incredible statement that to perfection he sees a limit. To all perfection he sees a limit. But, his, but God's commands, they're boundless. It's beautiful in that it's, this is eternal. It stands firm forever. Through all of the seasons of this author's life and in all of the seasons of our life, God's word has something for us. In the dry times, it fills us up. In the hard times, it's still true. And God is still leading us. And he can show us that, that he's faithful through his word. In the good times, we can share the blessings that we receive. Uh, and we can encourage others by sharing verses that have encouraged us. And we can read about God's love and, and share that with others in the times that are good and in the times that are challenging. When we're doubting or when we're suffering, we can read again in God's word and in his laws and be reassured and comforted that he has good plans for us and that we're not the only ones who have experienced these things. And when we're wanting more, we can see through God's word that he has plans and he has a purpose for us. And this author sees all of these things. The plans and purpose for us, here in verse 105, and this is a common one that people have memorized or know. So it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much, Preserve my life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, O Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever, and they are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. 
this author sees God's guidance for their life, sees that following God's plans for them, God's laws, God's precepts, sees that following those is following the right way, is following a way that leads to a life lived with God, a life that won't always be easy, as you can tell as well. He faces many challenges. And I would say that there, from what I read in here, there are more, there, there's, there's a larger percentage of these verses in 176 of them. There's a larger percentage in which the author is facing challenges, struggles, and persecution. And there are fewer of them in which they have a, a, a seemingly a good life and things are easy. And yet through all of the challenges, all of the persecution, all of the, the people trying to tear them down, this author trusts that God's plan and that God's word is true, and he wants to follow that because it leads to a good life. And ultimately, this author points to the promises and the laws of God. And at the time, the law of God was the Ten Commandments, and that would have led people to leading a righteous life, trying to lead a life that was right with God. But they still had to make plenty of sacrifices to be in that position with God, where they could be in that right place with God, because the sacrifices had to atone for their sin. They had to follow, try and follow the laws, but they still struggled to follow those laws. But beautiful now is that we have Christ, who's died for us on the cross and paid for those sins. And now our hope in God's law is found through Christ. Because in Matthew 5, 17... Jesus says, Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So pretty incredible to keep in mind as we're reading these verses, or as, as I was reading these verses, with incredible to keep in mind that as these, this author is mentioning God's law and, and God's word, it's all pointing back to Christ. Because he says that his hope is in God's law. He says he, he puts his trust in God's law. Ultimately, this author is putting their, their trust and their hope in Christ. Because that was the one who was to come to fulfill the law. So, I just want to encourage you that even when we don't feel like reading God's word, because there are plenty of things in this world that can distract us, as I experienced this week in trying to prepare for this, there were a thousand and one things that distracted me or that, I, that seemed potentially more interesting. But every time I sat down and spent time in God's word, there was value in it. And every time I've ever read God's word in my life, there's value in it. And it may not be in that instant moment that I understand it or that it applies to my life or that it applies to your lives. But when you read it, it says that God's word never returns void. And so... We read it, and it's, it's stored in our hearts for when we need it. This author understood the importance of reading God's word and storing it in our hearts, memorizing it, and keeping it for our lives, and trusting in it. And that's encouragement to us as well, that God's word today, even though it seems like an old book, is still very relevant to our lives. And in every moment and in every season of our lives, it's relevant. In the hard times, in the good times, when we're wanting to know what's next in our life, when we're content in what we're doing right now. And so we just need to spend more time in God's word. And that's as much a challenge for me as anyone else, is to spend time in God's word. It's, it's hard to do. 
but one of my favorite quotes uh, was that the man whose Bible is falling apart, his life often is not. And the other way around. It's a challenge here from this author, from God, to spend more time in his word and to see value in it that in all seasons, this book, God's truth, God's word, has something for each of us, has an encouragement, has a challenge, has his truth, has his love. And it's all written here. So, yeah, let's, let's close in prayer. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that you inspired the authors to write this, Father. We thank you so much that it's applicable now to our lives in everything we go through, in the challenging, in the good. Lord, when we're suffering, when we're doubting, that you are constantly with us, that your word is constantly there to encourage us. Father, that it's teaching that we can learn so much through it and that there's guidance there for our lives. And so I pray that you would help us to spend more time in your word. And Father, that you would just really encourage us every single time we read it, that even though we may not feel as though we understand everything we've read, to know that you are taking that, Lord, and you are storing it in our hearts, and you will bring it to to our minds when we need it um, at any time. So I just pray all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.